You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on people? Welcome to the post-game number crunch. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of the House and Growls Timberwolves newsletter, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Canis Hoopers and SB Nation. As usual, if you'd like to subscribe to House and Growls, follow the link in the show notes or head to houseandgrowls.substack.com to grab a free trial or a $3 per month subscription. Get over there, read the player ratings from this game. It's always fun to write them and hopefully always fun to read them after a win. And it was nice to see the Timberwolves get back into the win column in this one. I centered last episode around the fact that the Wolves have had a tendency this season to let these putrid losses like the one against Detroit spiral into multi-game losing skids. But they were able to scrap past a very undermanned but very scrappy themselves Phoenix Suns in this one finishing the night with a 121-116 win. And with these games against really short-handed teams, it's always a little bit harder to learn things. The Suns were obviously not the Suns that we know. They were down Chris Paul and Devin Booker, Cam Johnson and Cam Payne, as well as, obviously, Jay Crowder isn't there at the moment. DeAndre Ayton is coming back from an ankle injury in this game, and that clearly part played a part in... Big man having one of the worst nights I can remember really from any player, especially this season. So when I was pouring over the numbers and trying to locate and research some things to talk about for this episode, it was a little harder than usual. But then it kind of hit me while I was looking at cleaning the glass that when you look at the numbers from this game, you get a pretty good picture painted that is sort of the Timberwolves MO for this season. So in a little bit of a weird way, this episode's number is 43, as in the 43 games that we've seen so far this season, and why that's a pretty good sample size to see this team's shot profile identity for the season as a whole. I'll explain that further after a break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So 
So as I said before the break, we are now 43 games into this season, which is obviously over half the season and a pretty large sample size for making decisions on who this team is. Clearly, the big roadblock in that logic is that Tarleton Towns' lingering injury leaves a pretty enormous hole. But just like the team itself, I think we kind of have to bake that into the equation as much as possible and then move on with the analysis with the evidence that we currently have. And the evidence that we currently have is that this team has a pretty standard shot profile and a pretty recognizable shot profile. And as I said earlier, this game against Phoenix kind of displayed most of the signs and trends that we see from this team on a season-long basis. So we can start with the good, I guess, and the good for Minnesota certainly begins with their ability to dominate the rim. It's what you expect from a team with Rudy Gobert, but even on a night like this where Gobert went underutilized and almost unnoticed offensively, they're still really awesome at scoring at the rim, not just at defending the rim. Minnesota shot 38.5% of their total field goals at the rim for the season, which is a frequency that ranks fourth in the NBA. Tonight, they were a smidge lower than that at 36%. That's still a pretty high number overall. If they were shooting 36% of their shots at the rim on a season-long basis, they would be around 7th or 8th for the season. So yeah, 36 is really still a very high number. And on those shots at the rim for the season, they are converting them at a 69.1% clip. That's good for the 6th highest percentage in the league. In this game against the Suns, they nearly match that exactly, finishing 0.1% shy at 69% even. So obviously that's really, really good. Rim shots are the second most analytically friendly shot in the league, beaten only by free throws, and obviously the best way to get free throws is to take shots at the rim. So through Gobert and Edwards and Kyle Anderson and Jaden McDaniels and you know a bunch of other guys, Jalen Noel is very good at it as well. The Wolves are a really, really good rim pressure team. And frankly, that can go a long way to not only win games like this, where the Wolves aren't quite at their best, but also goes a long way in a playoff series if Minnesota, you know, can force their way into one of those eventually this season. And like I kind of hinted at earlier, the domination at the rim extends to the other side of the ball as well. Phoenix shot 33% of their field goals at the rim in this game a number that is pretty much in line with the 34.2% that Minnesota allow on a season-long basis, on the season-long basis. That number is actually middle of the pack at 15th and has actually been steadily falling of late, especially after the two games against Detroit where they kind of just allowed the Pistons to get to the rim at will all night long. But perhaps perhaps the the biggest difference between this game and this season as that the Wolves allowed Phoenix to shoot 69.2% from the rim, at the rim this game, which is a pretty high number. It's, again, pretty close to what Minnesota are shooting as a whole. But they actually are holding teams to the fourth lowest percentage at the rim for the season at 63.1%. The rest of the top five in defensive field goal percentage from within four feet of the rim this season is Memphis, Indiana, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. Four very good teams and one very good indication of how important it is to be able to protect the rim. So I think the question that comes to my mind, at least, from that is, why does it feel like the Wolves really kind of suck on defense at times? Well, the answer in most games, and in this game especially, is that they are truly horrendous 
at guarding the three-point line. I mean, we all saw it in this game. Damian Lee was on fire. And really, for the most of the night, all of the Phoenix squad was shooting the lights out from deep. They hit some lucky shots or some, you know, really tough shots. But for most of those shots, it was just pretty bad perimeter defense. It was pretty bad perimeter defense against the Pistons, you know, in the game before that. And it was pretty bad defense on the perimeter for most games this season. The Suns shot 60.9% from three in this game. Yes, that was not your ears playing tricks on you. 60.9% from three. It's honestly a number that would be hard to fathom had we not seen it a dozen times already this season. Obviously, not every team is going to light it up like that, but the Wolves ranked 29th in three-point percentage allowed on the season at 37%, which is a really high number to be allowing teams to shoot against you. And the only team that's worse than them in the league is the very much losing on purpose San Antonio Spurs. So when the defense feels really bad despite some of the best rim protection numbers in the league, that is the reason why. And maybe more than ever, being able to guard the perimeter is beginning to really be as important as being able to guard the paint. And I don't think it's ever been as close as it is right now in between those two factors. And then to me, the other question that I have is if the Wolves are getting a lot of the most efficient shot in the league being at the rim, why do they feel like they suck on offense a lot of the time as well? Well, the answer is the same. They don't take many threes and they don't make many threes. They only took 27 threes in this game, which was 28% of their total field goals. That number is actually lower than their 37, 33.7 frequency for the season as a whole. But that 33.7 number still ranks them 17th in the league and way away from the high-volume three-point shooting team that they were last season. And like I said, they don't make them either. They made 37% in this game, which is not bad. Like I said, they allow 37% on the season. So pretty good number as a whole, despite the very low volume. But on the season, they're only making 35.3%. And again, in the league that is just trending more and more toward shooting and accurate shooting and volume shooting, that number only ranks 20th overall and really has actually been trending up on the season, which is kind of the sad part about that. I know that's a lot of numbers, even for an episode of this podcast, but the simplified version is that Minnesota are great on both ends in the paint and poor on both ends from beyond the three-point line. And that kind of carried itself into this game and was one of the reasons they could win because they were very, very good in the paint in this game and one of the reasons why they almost lost against this struggling undermanned Phoenix team because they could not guard the three-point line. And that yin and yang kind of reflects itself in Minnesota's 21 and 22 record. If they're going to become better in that record department, they're either going to have to become a better shooting team or a better you know, three-point defending team or somehow become an even better team scoring and defending in the paint. Obviously, mid-range shots are in there as well. Minnesota are kind of middle of the pack in mid-range shooting in both defense and offense. But in today's day and age, it's all about shots at the rim, free throws, and shots from beyond the beyond the arc. And when you're looking at this team, they do one of them really well, and they do one of them really badly. And if you do one really well and one really badly, you end up with a record that is half good and half bad, and that would be 21 and 22. 
for this team. So they will need to improve on one of those areas, probably shooting and getting Carlton Towns back will help. Getting Tory and Prince back has helped, but they will need to improve if they want to become a team that can get above 500 and stay above 500. Hopefully, I'll be here to discuss those incoming improvements. I hope you will be too.